Bad news. Bad news for the state. Bad news for capital. Bad news for patriarchy. Bad news for all forms of domination. Bad news. Angry voices from around the world. Our monthly info show from anarchist and anti-authoritarian radio projects worldwide. If these news are bad, I don't want to be good. Welcome to the 32nd episode of Bad News for March 2020. You will hear some updates for arrested anarchists and political prisoners and news from the Greek regime from Radiofragmata from Athens. Next is the contribution from Free Social Radio 1431 AM from Thessaloniki about their eventful deportation to Albania of the anarchist comrade IRDK. Stealing Greece from radio zones of subversive expression from Athens, there is a review for the current situation in Evros, the northeastern borders of Greece, and from 105FM from Mytilene, an update from the recent refugee demonstrations in Lesbos, the repression and the fascist attacks. Continuing from Dissident Island from UK, there is a roundup of happenings from around the so-called United Kingdom. From Air Radio Berlin, you will hear an interview with an organizer of the first feminist congress in Poland that took place in February. And last, there is an interview from Frequenza about the resistance against the deportation in Leipzig, Germany, back in the 10th of July 2019, and the repression like, for example, the current court case linked to that. Hey world, many things have happened since our last update. While coronavirus is hitting our door and for once more we're all about to face dire uncertain times, we want to highlight some of the most significant occurrences amidst the movement. Following a counter-terror operation, fugitive anarchist comrades were cut while fleeing in a stolen car at the mountain of Imitos in Athens. Dimitra Valavani, Konstantin Athanasopoulou and Yanis Mikhailidis, who had been on the run for some time, were those arrested. In a statement following their capture, they courageously declared the following. It was definitely worth it. Every day of freedom exiled from prison slavery is invaluable. In a confrontation with a mechanism much stronger, it becomes increasingly difficult to withstand. Shielding is also necessary in fields we had never imagined before and demanding that we do not repeat ourselves and be insightful. Luck plays a decisive role but the odds were against us. At this last point it is worth pausing because there is so much at stake here. Every repressive business sends a message of power. This message is intended to terrorize people who are actually resisting the state machine. 
This has the effect of reducing the actions and entities that operate, so focusing the mechanisms on the few remaining. This is exactly what asymmetrically increasing chances against us. That is why it is necessary to defeat fear, to remassify immediate action, not to give up the road, not to give in to hostilities with the state and the capital. Solidarity makes sense through the development of diverse subversive action. Let's stand strong to the trials parodies that are being prepared in the overt indictments, in the anti-terrorist fiasco. Uncompromising struggle until total liberation. On 9th of March, an array of raids have happened in order to prosecute some ridiculous conspiracy allegations. Four comrades were arrested and charged with up to 54 accounts for anything claiming the term anonymous anarchist. They were accused for the aggregate of responsibility claims under the comrades in Greek, Sidrophisidrophises signature. They were assaulted and mistreated. Not a surprise. On 14th, they were set free with restrictive terms. Several solidarity actions took place for them as a message that will not stand back and no one of us is alone in the struggle against the slaughterers. Our remaining squads are under constant threat. Exarchia is under constant threat and a passive military occupation. Every demonstration is met with harsher repression and new measures of repression are being experimented by the Greek state. Cops and politicians are waging war on those seeking sanctuary and those fighting for freedom while encouraging broader society to pray for better days because this coronavirus and even more so deteriorating economy that is absolutely inevitable. It is a rough time here, but the integrity and solidarity that defines our movements will stay strong without compromise. The regime continues at all odds to increase its war of destruction and cowardly opportunism, focusing not only on anarchists and the most sincere and active movements of opposition they face, they continue to double down on the most vulnerable immigrants and refugees who in no way hold responsibility to the financial precarity most Greeks face. However, as fascists will use the irrational logic of fascism, they are pulling resources to torment immigrants and refugees at any opportunity, in order to appease to their racist voter base. For years, immigrants have used the pavement outside the economic school of Athens to sell clothing and items to make a living. This self-organized market found safety in nearby sanctuary available in the campus grounds. However, as the new government is attempting to permanently eradicate asylum laws from Greece, these peddlers have faced new challenges from the state. Regardless of this market being a generally safe and peaceful place and a refreshing exception for the heroin epidemic plaguing the nearby corner, just some meters away, the police have frequently harassed and attacked this market. 
On February 24th, an undercover cop chose to randomly attack and try to arrest one of the market's pendlers. When questioned by onlookers and comrades from the self-organized Steki squad of Asoe and had no excuse, a trouble was created. He ran trying to escape into a nearby corridor and quickly pulled out his weapon to threaten to murder those who were defending the immigrants. One of the comrades told this coward to shot him. He quivered and did not wait for his fellow subhuman cowards of mud, riot police, to escort him away. While events like this are typical by police in countries such as the USA or Brazil, in Greece it is an implication that the Warren University Asylum and any peaceful place for immigrants is constantly being escalated. The means and measures they are willing to go to enforce it are being given a new standard, and the pathetic cowards of the state are being emboldened in these times to act more aggressively without concern of any punishment. Solidarity actions to the immigrants took place right after in Asoe and in Vancouver Apartment Squad. Demonstrations being made met police brutality and the school is under constant watching. Any try of direct action in the neighborhood of Exarchia meets an expanding attack against all by the cops. Seems like a plan, but they don't get it. No matter the beatings and the prosecutions, no matter the repression and the virus threats, nothing will end. Everything is on the move. For and until anarchy. Radiofragmata. News contribution from Free Social Radio, 14:31 a.m. Thessaloniki, Greece. Since last July, our anarchist comrade Erdik K is being threatened with deportation from Greece to Albania, where he was born only because of his political identity. Irdi was arrested on December 6 of 2014 during classes with the police at the annual demonstration for the death of Alexis Grigoropoulos and he was charged with 27 months while defending his anarchist identity during the trial. Last July, Irdi was denied his right to renew his residence permit with the accusation of him being public danger. The continuous denials for the renewal of his legal papers is obviously sowing the war of the state against anyone who resists. Several actions of solidarity have taken place all over Greece in the last few months, including two demonstrations in Thessaloniki. On the 12th of March 2020, he was supposed to go through trial for his right to residence permit, but it was postponed for 11 of June 
100 comrades gathered outside of the court for solidarity and everyone left for the center of the city in a demonstration making clear that our comrade is going to stay. Except his trial on 11th of June, the appeal for his conviction of his 2014 arrest is on December 4th, 2020, which is crucial for the case for his residence permit. This case should not be taken as a threat against IRDK only, but anyone who fights against the system. Bad news from radio zones of subversive expression. Evros. Evros is the northernmost regional unit of Greece. It borders Turkey to the east across the river Evros and it borders Bulgaria to the north and the northwest. Throughout the years, Evros has been a passage to those who seek European asylum from Turkey to Greece. Over the years, there have been reports that people died in their attempts to pass the river, dividing Greece and Turkey. The last couple days, the condition has escalated dramatically. On March 1, 2020, the Greek government said that Greece is under attack from organized and coordinated populations and therefore all borders are closing, guarded and all asylum seekers will be expected to be unlawful and then returned without registration to the country of origin. This statement is a cancellation of all international agreements for human rights. In response, the presidents of Turkey announced that Turkey will be opening the border passages with Greece so that populations can travel to European borders. Also, that was a move to pressure European Union to pay the money of previous agreements with Turkey. After the sanctions, unconfirmed number of refugees are trapped between borders with both sides guarding their country borders. There have been reports for two refugees shot dead by Greek army fire guns, tortures there have been fire exchanges from both sides with refugees in between and gas shots forcing populations to move from one place to another. The situation is difficult because we cannot confirm the actions of both sides. Everything that Turkish officials report, Greek officials report it as fake news and vice versa. What we know for sure from the Greek side is that the local populations of Greece near the border are organizing as militia and guarding side by side with army forces and hunting down those who pass the borders. The majority of militia people seem to be linked with neo-fascist organizations fully supported by the state, far-right parties and the ultra-conservative church. Furthermore, there have been reports stating that neo-Nazis from Europe are coming in Greece to guard borders while Greek state is building a 40 meters long wall in the borders. The European Union offered Greek state 700 millions to accommodate refugees 
and at the same time, Greek state announced the cancellation of housing allowance to refugees, forcing them to live in refugee camps. The situation in Evros continues being hot, and the state's rhetoric is that the Greek state is under attack, thus radicalizing and terrorizing the public. Bad news report of February from 105 FM. The morning of Monday, 3rd of February, a march of refugees started from the hotspot in Moria. Having that information, two squads of riot police came from Athens. The police made three roadblocks, one in Karatepe, the second one at the power plant, and the third one at the ring road, so they can stop the march from reaching the city. At Karatepe, the march came in contact with the police and a lot of chemicals and violence were used. Some people managed to escape through the ring road and continued the demo at the municipal theater. After some hours, the cops guided the demo back to Moria while going through the village so that the locals would get upset. With that move, the mayor of the village called for an open assembly in which the regional governor of the North Aegean, Mujuris, and the mayor of Mytilene were present. At that time, members of the alt-right municipal group, Free Citizens, gathered at Sapfus. Some of them went to Moria and started patrolling and attacking refugees who were in the village. They destroyed an NGO van and burned an abandoned home while accusing refugees. The morning of the next day, 4th of February, citizens of Moria gathered outside of the General Secretary of the North Aegean to protest for the events of the previous day and the general situation at the village. Meanwhile, refugees were protesting outside the municipal theater. A large number of police force stopped the protest with the use of violence. At this event, a refugee fainted. Fascists gathered around here, one of them being Christos Pulelis, who had taken part in the pogrom that happened in 2018 against the refugees. Some solidarity women tried to stand up for the woman, but they were threatened and chased. At the alleys of the city center, mar- city center market, There was a manhunt with cops hitting the protesters who were trying to get away. Four solidarities were taken to the police station along with some refugees. One person was beaten up by fascists. The same night, fascists with metal pipes and bats were patrolling Moria looking for refugees who were wandering around so they can beat them up. They were face controlling the entry of the village and always under the protection of the cops, they would bully and hit any refugee or solidarity that would cross their way. They were knocking on houses to check if refugees or NGO workers were living inside. Solidaries organized a spontaneous march that would go to Karate Pen back. While passing the city hall, they took down the banner of free citizens. After the march was done, a small team of fascists gathered at the central square, which were routed by riot police. Then they started patrolling the city and stopped at a store and bullied the people that were hiding inside. Solidary people went to face them. A fascist tried to plant a baseball bat at the Solidaries claiming he was a cop but was repulsed. On the 5th of February, members of Golden Dawn talked at a news report from state media as upset citizens of Medellini. During the next day's face controls and patro- patrols still happened in Moria and Midilini. 
At the morning of Monday, 24th February, riot police came to the port of Mytilene with a ship in order to oversee the construction of the new closed camps for refugees. A lot of protesters from different political backgrounds gathered at the port and immediately a fight broke out between the two sides with a lot of chemicals being used. Some riot police units already stationed in Lesbos got into the port to help the police against the protesters. The protesters consisted of anarchists, leftists, solidarities, right-wing people and the alt-right. Tuesday, 24th of February, riot police moved to Carava and Yavolorema. There were a lot of people gathered there, locals, anarchists, leftists and alt-right people to stop the construction of the camp. A conflict occurred between the protesters and the police. There were of chemicals being used. There were some verbal attacks between different sides of the protesters. Some cars were also damaged by riot police. On February 25th, riot police left Carava and moved to Pagani. The protesters followed them and trapped them at the army base of Pagani and they threw molotovs and rocks. The police responded with chemicals. Police reinforcements arrived with water current units to disperse the crowd. The next day, with a government order, the riot police left this island and there were some fake news showing the first steps of the construction of the closed camp. Listening to the UK segment of Bad News, a roundup of radical happenings from sometime between mid February and early March 2020. And the UK is that not so great so called kingdom of a not really united Britain. The UK Bad News segment is brought to you by Dissident Island Radio, a radical DIY radio collective pumping out twice monthly shows from London, the capital of capital. On the night of February 7th, a group of activists from the Green Anti-Capitalist Front, alongside squatters and other activists, occupied the abandoned high-security police station at Paddington Green. The intention is to hold the space and turn it into a community centre, the activities of which will culminate in a week of action against capitalism. This is motivated by the belief that capitalism by its very nature will continue to destroy our planet and ultimately our civilization. The building was chosen because the police have time and again shown that they will gladly break their own laws to suppress any challenge to the entrenched, unjust systems of our society. Only by moving beyond the inherent oppression of capitalism to a system based on cooperation and communality can we hope to survive in any meaningful way to end this century. During the week of action, the space is hosting workshops, skillshare, socials, and planning sessions with a wide variety of other information and entertaining events to be taken place. It will be a base from which to launch actions to reclaim public space from corporations and government and strike at the heart of capital. 
The police tried to illegally evict the space on the 13th of February, claiming that it was a residential building and therefore illegal to squat, and reportedly stating that since the cops were not allowed to come in and use the toilet, that this was a breach of human rights. The eviction attempt was successfully stopped by the activists. Paddington Green Police Station occupation also happened on the same day when a group of activists known as BP or not BP took over the British Museum to protest BP's sponsorship of a Troy exhibition. The British Museum occupation ended after more than 50 hours. If you want to find out more or get involved, check out the Green Anti-Capitalist Front website, greenanticapitalist.org. Or you can also have a listen to Green Anti-Capitalist Front chatting to Dissident Island Radio on episode 236. Early on the morning of February 20th, dozens of indigenous sovereignty supporters occupied the London offices of investment firm KKR, in solidarity with the Wet'suwet'en Nation, who are facing violent, militarized attacks at the hands of the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, Coastal Gas Link, and the Canadian State. Armed with Wet'suwet'en strong signs, banners, and the backing of thousands of others across the globe, the group demanded a meeting with directors from KKR to discuss withdrawing their support for the CGL liquefied natural gas pipeline. The pipeline is set to be built through the lands of Wet'suwet'en Nation, an indigenous nation that was occupied by the colonial forces of Canada, but which never ceded sovereignty to the settler state established in part by the British Empire. In December 2019, TC Energy, the owner of Coastal Gasling Pipeline, entered into a deal to sell a 65% equity interest to KKR Co. and Alberta Investment Management Corporation, AINCO. TC Energy will make roughly $600 million from the sale, while KKR & Co. stands to make millions of dollars further down the line. One of the occupiers at the KKR London offices, Emily, said, quote, We stand against KKR's forthcoming purchase and refuse to believe that the responsible investment KKR tout on their website is anything more than a public relations stunt, as they attempt to hide the blood on their hands. We are here today to expose their investment in colonial occupation and demand that KKR pulls all money out of Coastal Gaslink immediately. This action follows a militarized operation by the RCMP, that's the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, on the 6th of February 2020, targeting checkpoints surrounding the Unistotin camp, an indigenous reoccupation of the Wet'suwet'en land by the Unistotin clan. Base the base for Anarchy and Solidarity in Easton, a radical social centre in Bristol, formerly known as Kebele, is now in its 25th year. The base radical social centre in Easton, BS5, is the oldest social centre in the city of Bristol and one of the oldest in the UK. Celebrations will be happening on the 29th of February in the local community, reminding people of two of BASE's key motivations anarchist organizing, and the importance of autonomous spaces. Since its origin, as a squat and cultural project, BASE has evolved first as a housing co-op and now as a community co-op. Here's a bit about BASE from its website. BASE has been open since 1995 and has provided space for the development of anarchist and radical ideas and activities, community campaigns, and international solidarity over the years. Such centers recognize that we can make fundamental changes here and now in the ways we organize, communicate, interact, and take action. This is the everyday revolution. 
We don't rely on bosses, politicians, celebrities, or community leaders to tell us what to do and think. Social centers provide a space for people to explore and practice what they believe in, free from interference from the state and capitalism for most of the time. They are an anarchist experiment in theory and practice, and the debate about how best to do this goes on. Although located in the Easton area, BASE has had an impact across Bristol social movements and activism. The list of areas and activities that have been impacted by individuals and groups located at BASE, or meeting there, include squatting, homelessness, housing and Bristol Housing Action Movement, Reclaim the Streets, International Summit Mobilizations, Anti-War, especially Iraq War 2003 Fairford Air Base, Bristol Magazine and Grassroots Publications, Subvertising, Books and Propaganda, Infoshop and Free Library, Bristol Indie Media, Pirate Radio, Bristol Wireless, Descent Against the G8, that's in 2004 and 5, Squats and Social Centres Around Bristol, i.e. The Factory, Free Shop on Stokes Croft, Bristol Anti-Fascists, Climate Change, Climate Camps, West Side Climate Action, Bristol Rising Tide, Anti-Fracking and Anti-Coal, East Bristol Debt Advice, Bristol IWW, Zapatistas, Kiptik, Easton Cowgirls Boys, Bristol Drugs Project, Bristol Queer Cafe, Animal Rights and Liberation, Hunt Sabs, Earth First UK, Hydra Bookshop, Bristol AFED, No Borders, Migrant and Refugee Support and Solidarity, Rising Up, Extinction Rebellion, Phil Knights, Bristol Anarchist Black Cross and Bristol Defendant Solidarity, Anti-Cuts, International Solidarity Info Nights and Tours, Benefit Gigs, Nights and Raves, Free Parties, Permaculture and Food Growing, Co-Counseling, Art and Screen Printing, Kurdish Solidarity Network Actions, Bristol Anarchist Book Fair, Vegan Food and Cafes, Bristol Sisterhood, Bike Workshops, Cycling, and so very much more. On behalf of the Anarchist Radio Network, we'd like to wish BASE a very seditious and joyous 25th anniversary. And for those of you who'd like more information on BASE, check out their website at network23, that's N-E-T-W-O-R-K, the number two, the number three, dot O-R-G, forward slash Kabele two, that's spelled K-E-B-E-L-E, the number two. And that's it for this month's UK segment of Bad News. Many thanks to Freedom News, Green Anti-Capitalist Front, Libcom.org, and BASE for the reportage that made the segment possible. I've been Chickpea from Dissident Island Radio, a radical radio show based in the capital of capital. That's London in the greater so-called kingdom of a not-really-united post-Brexit Britain, plus that north bit of Ireland, and Scotland, and Wales, at least at the date of recording. Why not check out the fantastic Dissident Island radio shows? They feature interviews on radical campaigns, direct action. We have political discussions, host a regular spot featuring our comrade Legal Andy, who enthralls us with bundles of legal informational nonsense. And of course, we always find time for plenty of awesome music. You can go to our amazingly craptastic website, that's at dissidentisland.org, or find us on the usual social media sites by searching for Dissident Island, and that's spelled D-I-S-S-I-D-E-N-T-I-S-L-A-N-D. And you might even be able to find us and add us to your favorite mobile or web podcast app by searching for Dissident Island. And thanks again for listening.
Sagen Sie jetzt mal bitte A. Anarchie. 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 Ob geschichtlich oder brandaktuell. Mit Berichten und Interviews, mit Beiträgen und Collagen beleuchtet das anarchistische Radio Berlin das Phänomen des Anarchismus. Viva Anarchia! At the beginning of February, the Anarchist Radio Berlin had the opportunity of participating in the Feminist Congress in Wrocław, Poland, where we did a small interview with one of the organizers of the Congress, and this is what you'll get to hear now. Can you tell us a little bit about um, the Feminist Congress in Wrocław that just happened? Maybe how, a little bit of the history, how long it's been going on, and what were some of the topics um, that you talked about during this Congress? So, actually, the Congress happened for the first time ever, and uh, we did it because we, uh, we sadly noticed that there is no such event in Poland at all. So there is no um, nationwide national um, event for feminist activists and other people interested in, that, in feminism uh, to meet, to talk about, um, to network a little. And uh, it's actually quite shocking because the feminist movement in Poland is not so small. There is plenty of different groups doing very different things. And there is actually no place to meet and, and um, no place to discuss. Um, so it's the first time, uh, but let's hope it's not the last. So the idea came from the camp that we did in the summer, a very small camp that we did mostly for our group, um, uh, for Inicjatywa 8 Marca from Wrocław, and a few of our comrades from other feminist groups that we used to organize things together with. And uh, on this camp we thought that we really need to discuss things about the feminist movement, we need some more... Um, education inside the movement and that we really, really have to meet and that we don't have such bigger events in the feminist movement. So this is why we did this. And about the topics, right? Yeah. So the main question and the main problem that we wanted to touch, and I think we managed to do that, was the condition of the feminist movement in Poland, um, was the question, um, what are we doing? What are we missing? What should we do? What should we focus on? And uh, but also we did uh, we did plenty of discussions and workshops on um, widely widely broadly speaking feminist uh, topics, uh, including sex work, feminist economy, care work, also labor unions. Um, yeah, so I think the, uh, the, uh, there was plenty of discussion about the movement and about the future and about the current situation, but also about some uh, about some specific issues that we uh, that we work on in the feminist movement. And did you have mostly people and collectives from Wrocław participating? Can you maybe tell us a bit about which kind of groups or individuals came? We really focused uh, uh, on inviting as many people outside from Wrocław as possible, and actually we had uh, too many. Uh, we had too many um, people wanting to attend this congress, and we were really surprised that we had so many, um, so many people interested in joining this congress. And what we did, sadly, is uh, we had to. 
um, we had to really limit the amount of, of people attending and we really limited the amount of people coming from Wrocław. So ma majority of people were not from Wrocław. We wanted um, to have about 20-25% of people from Wrocław and the rest from, from other Polish cities and not only from Poland. Mm. So, so sadly we had, to, we had to kick out some people about 50 or 60 even because we couldn't we couldn't organize uh, an event for more people and we couldn't find any venue to host more than approximately 100 people in such a short time and also we didn't expect to have so much interest in this event because we didn't do any marketing or, or whatever we just sent emails to to people that we know that that are active in the feminist movement and to our friends and Surprisingly, we had plenty of, um, of interest in the event. Since probably people outside of Poland will also hear this, can you say something short about some of the difficulties that um, feminists have organizing here in Poland? A huge problem that I see is the fact that we nearly don't collaborate between cities and there is not... I think not a single organization, even NGO organization, not talking even about grassroots groups that work between cities. And this is a huge problem because I believe that we could share plenty of work that we do in our local groups. We could share that, we could do way more things if we could collaborate somehow. Um, even on simple things like demonstrations for the 8th of March or um, we also do plenty of um, things like uh, self-help in abortion or anti-conception. Um, so this is a huge problem. Uh, also, um, what was stressed on the on the um, plenary session on the last day on, of the Congress uh, is the fact that we very often don't even know what other groups are doing. So we don't even know the movement itself. We don't know each other. We don't know what are we doing, what are the other groups doing. So this is a problem. And this is why we did this Congress. And this is why we have to do more events like this. And more. we have to put more work in getting to know each other and, um, and collaborating. And politically and maybe like at the level of society like what are some of the difficulties that you have well politically um we have plenty of difficulties because poland is a catholic country so there is plenty of pressure from the state which is pretty much the same as the church so obviously there is the case of abortion which is illegal in poland um, there is plenty of anti-LGBT um, actions going on from the state, from the church, from from many sides. So, um, well, I think if we look from the um, from the uh, perspective of the of the of the nation, of the society, of the state, well, Poland is a sexist country, and um, and the situation is not so good, and. Uh, probably it won't get better in the next five, ten years because if the, in terms of politics and like legal stuff, it's not going to get better anytime soon. So we have to survive this and think about uh, about the future. Yeah. And can you say something 
I don't know, something positive that you think came out of the Congress, something exciting or that you are excited about? Um, yeah, a few new initiatives uh, uh, were, um, were initiated on the Congress. So there will be, there will be a map uh, that will hold uh, data about uh, feminist groups operating in Poland. So this is going to answer the problem that... Um, uh, that we don't know about, don't know other groups that are um, that are active in Poland. So there is going to be a map, um, one labor union, uh, Inicjatywa Pracownicza, that was very present on the Congress, is going to uh, is going to renew the part of the um, uh, of the labor union that was focused on feminist issues, and this is what happened on the Congress because plenty of, um, of uh, members of the labor union came and they decided that they have to bring back the feminist issues in the, in the union that they are part of. Um, another thing that happened is that we, I think we have, we have decided to make a camp and I hope that we will manage to, to organize a bigger feminist camp this summer. Um, and I'm sure Plenty of other things happened um, that I'm not aware of <laughs> because I couldn't be present in uh, in every discussion and so on. But at least three new things are going to uh, are going to happen after the congress. Is there something else you would like to say that I didn't ask you, or that you would like people that are going to be listening to this to know? Um, in if they're if they want to find out more information about uh, this camp or about the Congress, how can they find this information? You can you can visit our website, which is um, which is www.manifa.noblogs.org, and we will definitely post the information about the events we are going to do in the future. Um, and what I want to say is that it's not that hard to organize an event for a hundred people, and this is the first time that I was organizing uh, an event for that many people. It wasn't that bad, and uh, I believe that it's very important to meet in person and just spending time together and discussing poli political things is is something that we should remember about and not just do like. Um, not just to all the work that we do every day as activists, we also re have to remember to have the time to reflect, to sit around, to talk, to, to have a beer together, and, and I believe that it's very important to do events like this. Thank you. Thank you. So you just heard this short interview with one of the organizers from this past February 2020 Feminist Congress in Wrocław, Poland. If you want more information about this initiative and the group organizing it, you can go to manifa.noblogs.org. We want to talk now with um, Tommy from uh, Soli Committee, who is making a Soli work for people who were arrested at night from 9th to 10th of uh, July uh, in uh, Leipzig at uh, Hildegardstrasse during the protests uh, against deportation. Can you tell a little bit more what was uh, happening at, uh, at this night? Yes, as you said, on 9th of July, um, there was planned to have a deportation um, of a Kurdish person to Spain because of 
the Dublin um, asylum system in Europe and uh, the police car was blocked for many hours by up to 500 people. And it was a really connecting moment for the um, neighborhood because there were many different social groups working together and having the same aim to stop this deportation and to protest against the police violence the family had to face and against any deportation at all. And so there were many lefties, there were migrants, there were young precarious people and we were demonstrating together, shouting against deportation, sharing food and water um, over many hours. Um, until the police started to take the person of the blocked police car out and they made it quite smart with a distraction by hitting demonstrators on the other side of the police car So, and they took him out, Mohammed who was uh, going to be deported and um, they took him away. In the beginning it was not clear if he's still in the car or not because people didn't really see anything but one hour later we ended the demonstration um, because it was clear then that the person has left but um, before people could go by themselves the police started to push away all the former demonstrators and to free the police car. They were using sticks, they were using gas and pepper spray and I would say at that time there were like 250 people and almost all the people, all the demonstrators got hurt by the police because they really escalated the situation. Yeah, and also there was defense attacks by the demonstrators, so it came to a riot on the street. And especially the police was really violent. So there were there are videos showing that they are throwing garbage bins on people who are like running away, or they are hitting people laying on the ground, or also um, spray pepper spray to in the face of journalists and so on. So stones and bottles were also thrown by the demonstrators to defend or like to show the protest against the police action. Uh, you said about 250 people showed up. That's uh, quite a high number in Le a little city mm. like Leipzig. Um, was it like spontaneously or have there been like discussions in the neighborhood beforehand or do you know something about that? Mm. So the mobilization was, we were all surprised that up to 500 people um, maximum came to the demonstration. It was all shared in social groups, like uh, social media groups, or people were walking by. And I think there was really high attendance to um, deportations at all, because like Eisenbahnstraße, the neighborhood is really um, a migrant area or left-wing area so all people had to face the topic of racism or deportation or police violence so I think there were many people just for solidarity or because they also have to face deportation maybe so it was already a topic in the neighborhood but on this special day that so many people for many hours gathered um, this was really special and really unique actually yeah it sounds super cool powerful can you tell us about the trial what have happened how's it going i heard there's some good news in for our bad news <laughs> sorry for interrupt but uh, yeah. maybe we should uh, stick a little bit i mean there have been the clashes uh, with the police but the deportation was not stopped in the end and uh, yeah. the have been repression after the clashes i mean maybe before some court uh, if listeners don't know about any repression or something it's kind of 
Yes, so there was a lot of repression on that day in the form of police violence, but like repressing still going on, um, especially to three people who were arrested. Yeah, okay, there have been arrests, three arrests, and then mm. uh, as I know, there were two persons like imprisoned in pre-trial mm. detention and one was released after some months and the other was like in prison from July. Yeah. Till Monday, this Monday. Yes, there were three arrested people. One was released immediately because uh, he was underage. And yes, one was in detention for two and a half months and the other one for seven months. Since July until uh, Monday, there was the third day of the trial. And it, this is already a scandal because um, Eamon, who was in prison for seven months, his father and the only caring parent for a three-year-old daughter, What is also quite showing the political dimension of the trial itself is also that both people um, don't have German nationality. And now they are accused to resistance and attacks of the police and breach of peace. So this means like violence out of a crowd with dangerous objects like bottles or stones. And Eamon is also prosecuted for insult um, while imprisoning. And maybe before I say to the trial what happened um, of support, so we founded the Solidarity Committee I'm also speaking for now, and we are supporting all the people who were yeah, in detention. And also on the next day there was a demonstration against the deportation and the police violence before, and there also people got or had to face repression because uh, the police said go away and they didn't go away, so now they have to face a fee as repression. And we also, with other people and groups of the neighborhood, we organized a street festival, which was like to connect the neighborhood, to talk about how we can connect even more and what we can do uh, when there are situations um, like this again. And also there were lots of analysis of the police action and public relation work. Yeah, so quite big solidarity movement afterward. Cool. Okay. Yeah. yeah, maybe trial. To the trial. <laughs> yes, it's yeah. I already said like they really wanted to have a trial to show that like the guilt of this riot is the demonstrators and not the police. Like this really political intention and really a show trial. So they really want to show that it is not okay to blockade deportations to show civil disobedience. This is actually really bad. <laughs> yeah. So we have already three days done and there will be three days more until we have a sentence. There's a judge which is really like a law and order dude. He's really strict, um, especially with the audience when we show a little happiness, for example, when um, Eamon got released, then he was like really shouting at us all the time. And also the defense, he makes it really strict um, with the questions the defense has. And what is really special, but really common also on the other hand side is that there are only witnesses of the police. And the real problem is that we have problems with the cop culture, with the core spirit, so that the so the police did a lot of things wrong on this evening, but the police witnesses don't say it. They are just like um, defending each other and not telling the truth in our opinion or in the opinion of the people who have lived all this violence. There's also been the attempt to blame one of the cops uh, for his racist behavior, which totally failed uh, yes. as far as I know. Yes, definitely. And in the audience, there's also police 
uniformed and, and civil and they are writing all the time and we know that they are preparing the witnesses for their hearings um, and also working with each other what they can say, what they shouldn't say and so on. And um, the only um, evidence for the guilt of Eamon is one policeman who is a civil cop, so he was not in a uniform on the demonstration, he was like dressed normally and um, the first two days he didn't come because of vacation or something and on the third day um, he said some things and really blamed Eamon again but then um, really central points which are really important to balance if it is true what he's saying or not he said like no i'm not allowed to say it yeah and then he was released because um they couldn't say anything they have to answer the question um in a letter so the third day was ended this way there are still no evidences for the guilt of amen and um that the police Man didn't really say anything now is also the reason why he got released of detention Amen. It was yes, released. Amen. Exactly. Yeah. Finally. Because they can't leave him in detention when there are no evidences at all. And he has his three-year-old daughter he has to care for. I mean, they could yes. before, but <laughs> yeah, they had <laughs> maybe finally. Already seven months ago, they should have done that. Yeah, yeah but they didn't. And I hope that it's uh, going good with uh, Ayman now. Uh, which, uh, what people can do more? What kind of solidarity they can show right now? So the Eamon and Sasha, they are really happy about letters or solidarity photos. You can just send to the um, email address of the Soli Committee. You find it uh, on the Internet. Also, uh, we have written reports. Yes, you can read what was said by the police, what was said um, and asked by the lawyers. Yeah, that's really interesting. Also, the connections of the police with neo-Nazis. Uh, has also been shown or a false statement by a policeman also so it's quite interesting and um, the sentence has a really big meaning for civil obligiance or to blockade demonstrations or to the fundamental principles of our state of law at all because um, when there are no evidences that somebody did a crime then you can't sentence him And that's the case here, and it's all about the political intention of the trials and the repression against the left people. Yeah, maybe you can uh, spell the direction of the web address in the internet. Yes, it's um, le1007.home.blog. Okay, thank you very much uh, for taking time to talk uh, with us. Uh, and for sharing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye. So we gonna have another um, another track. Uh, maybe you can say something about it, uh, Rita. Yeah, it's a cover. Um, it's um, a Polish uh, a project called Zrada Parki, and it's a cover, um, a kind of an anti-police uh, song called "Es Czarne Dzieci Dzieci Vlast." Yeah, enjoy. Right in the middle of Sindama Square right now. Police is behind me. Many police officers have been hurt. Men and women who are trying to protect democratically elected leaders. Bad news. Angry voices from around the world. Local anarchists and anti-authoritarian radio shows on one spot. 
Tune in every 15th of the month. More information on a-radio-network.org. What's a revolution to you? <laughs> to kill the bosses and take their money. Ha, 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 ha.